Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart and, if you can, your Bibles and receive this word from the Lord recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. You ready for the word? Let's do it. Come on. Exodus chapter 19. I am um, excited in my spirit as I am been preparing for this word and getting ready to preach this. Um, my, I have a two-part sermon series that I'm going to do today and next Sunday. And, and really, for those of us that are New Covenant believers, uh, everything was finished when Jesus sat down on the right hand of God. Amen? Everything was completed. The work was finished. Jesus did it all. When Jesus sat down, it was done. But for us, it didn't start till the day of Pentecost. Amen. 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 For us, it began when the Holy Spirit fell. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who enforces the finished work of the cross. Amen, Amen dude. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the enforcer of the finished work of the cross. Amen. Amen. Jesus finished it, but it's the Holy Spirit in us that enforces it, that reminds us, that teaches us, that takes us from glory to glory and from strength to strength. And that's why it's really important for us to understand that really Pentecost is a very important day. Now, now we don't take off and you know, celebrate or go wait, sit in an upper room and pretend to wait for the Holy Spirit. He already fell. Amen. 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 He already fell. He fell and, and, and life came to the planet. Amen. Amen. The restoration began that day. Amen. I'm telling you, you have to hear me. A lot of things that the believer is waiting to happen in the future already happened. Yes. A lot of stuff. Even Joel chapter 2 that most people are waiting to see happen in the future. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. When he said, In the last days I will pour out my spirit. That was the last days. You got to hear me. Why, why, did they, why did Peter say that under the unction of the Holy Spirit? Because he knew that a lot of stuff that the people will sit there waiting for it to happen in the future. Because whenever you take what God is doing and put it into the future, you miss out of living in what God has for you in the now. Amen. Now, faith is. Not tomorrow. Now, faith is. Now, now. Say now. It's really under, important for us to understand that what happened on the day of Pentecost was God released fully everything that Jesus did on the cross. Amen. He released it over mankind. Jesus bought back everything. He redeemed mankind, paid for sin, broke the power of Satan. Spiritual warfare is not defeating the devil. It's living in the victory of the one that defeated him. I'd be out on the floor right now. Boom. It's so good because if you are going to live your life fighting the devil or seeing the devil in everybody else, come on now. now I know some people act like the devil, but that don't mean anything. You can't go attacking people. Spiritual warfare is not fighting the devil. It's living in the victory of the one that did defeat him. You really think you're going to fight and defeat him? He's already a defeated foe. What is spiritual warfare? Take this from a guy who comes from the third world. That's why every time I take my guys on a mission trip, they come back like freaked out. 
<laughs> because it's, it's a different reality. It's a different world. Satan is defeated. But what we have to do because of the cross and what happened on the day of Pentecost is we've been given a legal document. We've been given a legal document to go tell the devil where he's been living at illegal. The dude's been overstaying in some places because he's a thief. He's a liar. That's what he does. He's the tenant that doesn't leave. Nor does he pay rent. <laughs> so what you do is you take the written deed, the document by God saying, now I've given the earth back to man. Man is now the legal resident of planet earth. You, you, Psalms 115, the heavens are mine, declares the Lord, but the earth I gave to the sons of man. Say it's mine. God gave us this earth so we can have dominion, enjoy. And guess what? We are going and telling devil, illegal boy. Get out of my land. Get out of my house. Get out of my family. Get out of my marriage. Get out of my country. Are you listening to me? That is spiritual warfare. It's not you fighting the devil. He is defeated. His power has even been cut off. Are you listening to me? His source of power, just like the source of sin power in you in a, as a believer is chopped off. Satan's power is now cut off. I'm going to do a series on spiritual warfare very soon and you are going to love it. I'm just telling you. I'm going to show you how it works in the Bible. What empowers the devil in this new covenant age? Really important for us to understand it. You want to know what empowers the devil in this new covenant age? People walking around shouting how great the devil is. And I ain't talking about them heathen people doing it. I'm talking about intercessors. Well, the devil, whoa, he's the strong man over this land. He's the mighty one over this. Hey, guess who's the strong man? You are the strong man now. Because Jesus pulled down every strong man, defeated him. What gives Satan the legal right to be the strong man in a place is not from God anymore. It is your words. I need to stop because I'm going to go a totally different direction with, with this topic. Mm, Jesus. Somebody shout, it is finished. It is finished. Mm. You know what is happening with us as believers? We are growing from greater revelation to greater revelation of what it is finished means. That's what's happening. We are going from a greater revelation to a greater revelation of what it is finished means. Yeah. It is finished isn't getting bigger. <laughs> it is finished is as big as it gets. God isn't doing anything today. He already did it. But when you get a revelation of how great it is finished is, you manifest the fact that it is finished on the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, that's so good. A couple of days ago, I decided to take some time and enter into the quiet place. And the Lord said a word that absolutely broke me. And I'm someone that makes as much effort to spend time with the Lord and spend time in the presence of God. And as soon as I went in and ah, I felt it, 
And I, I, I talk to the Lord very one-on-one. -on -one. He's real to me. He's not a religious figure. He's my daddy. Amen. He's my father. He doesn't judge. He doesn't condemn. He loves. And as I went in, I heard the father speak to me and say these words. I missed you. And I suddenly realized the unbelievable heart and relationship this grace message is all about that we of the grace or persuasion sometimes lose touch with because we're so sitting in the place of well if it's already done it's already in me what 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 more if God's given me all that he can and we miss the whole point of this deeper intimate walk with the Holy Spirit and tonight I want to look at a mountain my message is called the, the tale of two mountains and I want to look at a mountain today to explain to you the relationship between God and somebody he loved as they had a conversation about being hungry for each other. Did you know God was hungry for you? <laughs> and while most of the time I preach on Mount Sinai, I'm telling you to take it and throw it into the sea. And I hope you do. Not because Mount Sinai is a bad mountain, but because we don't live in the ministry of death anymore. We are not from the ministry of condemnation based on 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen? Amen. For of the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. Speaking of what happened on Mount Sinai. But then it compares it to the ministry of righteousness which happened on the other mountain which is Mount Zion. The day of Pentecost was released on what mountain? Talk to me. Mount Zion. Amen? They were gathered together on Mount Zion in one accord. On Mount Sinai, the law was given and 3,000 people died. On Mount Sinai, grace and the Spirit of God was given and 3,000 people were saved. Amen. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Are you with me? Amen. I want you to understand about these two mountains, but there is something beautiful that happens on this mountain that I want us to capture in this conversation between God and man because brazen grace, I want us to understand that we are a grace church and I'm not ashamed of that. Amen. Exodus 19, we see God communicating with the people of Israel whom he had just brought out of Egypt and revealing his heart. I want you to keep getting the heart of the Father. Amen? I want us to read this in the Amplified if you don't mind, please. Exodus chapter 19 Verses 4 through 6. God trying to woo the Israelites whom he had just delivered from, from captivity. And he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings. And brought you to myself. Beloved, please hear me carefully. Coming out of Egypt is a picture of salvation. Amen. Coming out of Egypt is a picture of coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And God clearly says that the first and foremost purpose of me getting you saved is so you could be brought to myself. All the other things that God wants to do in you, through you, on the earth, for the planet is awesome. And I will preach it and I will never apologize for it. But the first and foremost purpose of God getting you saved was so you could be his own, brought to himself. So if in your salvation you do everything except spend time with him, you miss the whole point. 
Because the whole purpose of God saving you was to be with him. Are you listening to me? It was always about intimacy. It was always about one-on-one. It was always about worship. Keep reading with me. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice in truth and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure from among above all the people for the earth is mine. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Keep reading. A holy nation consecrated, set apart to the worship of God. The whole point of God delivering you out of darkness into his marvelous light is so you could be his You could come to me. It was all about coming to me. The destiny that I have for you is awesome. The purpose that I have to do through you is wonderful. But the first and foremost point of me saving you, washing you, redeeming you, breaking yoke off of you was so you would be all mine. All mine. And God looks at you and holds you close and says, mine. Mine. Babies are not being selfish when they learn that word. It actually comes from their father. But when you don't redeem it and teach it well, then it becomes selfish. But the whole concept of mine, mine comes from daddy God. I brought you out so you could be mine. mine. That's the whole point of salvation. So you could be mine. And then we get saved and we come out of bondage, out of darkness. And we're like, yeah, he set me free. He delivered me. Now let me go fulfill my destiny. See, your destiny's power, the power to fulfill your destiny comes from your intimacy. Did you hear me? The power to fulfill your destiny comes from your intimacy. If you miss this point, you will be out there fighting the devil. Shandala, handala. And getting whooped and getting beaten up because you think that, you think that, you know, it's my job to go whoop. No, no, no. You missed the whole point. The whole point of him saving you was to be his. But when you operate from the place of being completely and solely his, then comes the power out of that. Are you with me? You will never be able to fulfill your destiny unless you operate from the place of intimacy. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Turn to 33, Exodus. Stay there as we're going to dissect the word and go there little by little. Can you stay with me for a little? This is such a beautiful thing. You know, whenever we study intimacy with God, whenever we study hunger for the Lord, many of the new covenant people go through the new covenant looking for scriptures and they don't find too many. And so they go, well, I guess... This intimacy stuff was actually an old covenant thing only. And honestly, that is not true. There was always the heart of God. But we see glimpses of it in the old covenant because there's a lot more chapters in the old covenant. The purpose of the new covenant was not that. It was to reveal Jesus. Which means what? It was understood that hunger and intimacy were normal. Peter says, silver and gold I have none. But what I have I'll give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. What did he have? He had a relationship with the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, something filled him and made him do something he could not do. 
It was always about intimacy. So it is understood in the new covenant that you have to be hungry for God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Filled with what? The righteousness that they are hungry and thirsting. <laughs> it's not that deep. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hungering is something God expected you to do. In fact, in John, in John chapter 4, Sarah, in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman who's feeling disadvantaged because she didn't have a mountain she could go to. The Samaritans had their own mountain and they, it, it wasn't a special mountain. It was a second class mountain. But the Jews got the first class mountain where God would visit them and hear their prayers. And, and then Gentiles would be like, well, how come we can't go there? Huh? How come we can't go there? And so they always kind of felt unwanted and they were, you know, Gentiles. And Jesus speaking to this woman says, lady, turn there. Let's turn there quickly and we'll come back to, we'll come back to Exodus 33. John chapter 4. Verse number 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Ooh. When was that hour? When was that hour? Listen to me. When the veil was torn. The hour is coming and now is whenever Jesus says those words, he's talking about what is right before them, but he is the one who's going to do it. So as the hour is coming and now is, meaning it's coming, but I'm here, but I haven't done it yet. Why? Because I haven't died yet. The hour is coming and now is, okay. Where you will neither worship on this mountain, nor nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You will, verse 22, you worship what you do not know. Uh, We... We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. If you really want a detailed teaching of this on, on worship, go find our series on presence driven. I, I teach it in more detail. But, but here is Jesus speaking to the woman and He's saying the hour is coming when you don't have to go to a place to worship. Because worship was a journey back in in the old day worship was a journey you had to go somewhere to worship you couldn't just worship anywhere Jesus is saying the hour is coming where you don't have to go to a mountain to worship you walking around is going to be worship the hour is coming when you don't have to go here or go there now I do want us all to go to Israel come on now I've had some great encounters with the Holy Ghost in Israel I heard the voice of God at the wall if that creeps you out that's fine whatever I encountered God in an incredible way right there at the wall. It was amazing. Let me tell you about that real quickly. I went to the wall and, and if you are as a pro-Israel person as I am, I love the people of Israel. I was, I was, you know, we were raised so pro-Israel growing up in India. Uh, my, my, when we were kids, my brother and I, our, our dream was to grow up and be Mossad agents. Because <laughs> that, that's just how much we loved Israel. And, and the first time I went there, I believe it was 2005. Five, yes, five. It was like two weeks after Priyanka was born. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I go to the wall and I, I, I just felt, I saw, it was Friday and Shabbat had begun and they're all worshiping there. And it was so beautiful to see the people worship. And as I went there to that wall, I just felt like I shouldn't be here. I, I, just, I just felt like, man, it's their wall. <laughs> it's close to their temple. 
is their God. And this just feeling of I shouldn't be here. And I'm feeling just, ugh. It was a long story how I got to that wall. And I'm standing there and I'm feeling so unworthy. And the first time I heard the voice of God in Israel there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Zach, but they don't know me like you know me. <laughs> they don't know me like you know me. They're hoping their prayers are heard. You know your prayers are heard. They're hoping God accepts their worship. You know I accept your worship. God's speaking to me at the wall. I'm telling you, I bawl like a baby. A bunch of Jewish people going, why is this Indian crying like a baby at the wall? I was crying. I was there for 45 minutes. The bus was waiting. It was not fun. They were getting mad at me. Everybody's getting angry. I'm just there. The beautiful thing about the Old Testament is you see these beautiful examples of intimacy. And these conversations between God and man that express the real heart of God. My chosen treasure. My prized possession. My priests created for worship. Say, I'm created to worship. You hear me? I'm created to worship. In the old covenant, worship was a journey that you had to take. And then finally you get to worship. Please don't make it a journey in the new covenant. Now I don't have to go through the outer courts and the inner courts. And then I get to the holy place and then bless God. If I'm holy enough, I get to see him face to face. That didn't happen. That don't happen anymore. When Jesus cried out, it is finished. The Bible says the veil ripped from the top to the bottom. Remember, not from the bottom up. It ripped from the top to the bottom, meaning it was the hand of God that ripped that veil. The veil was not torn so we could have access into the Holy of Holies. Listen to me. The veil was not torn so we could go in. The veil was torn so he could come out and be with us. Are you listening to me? So now I don't have to take a journey to go inside. He is with me. He is in me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I don't have to make a pilgrimage to encounter him. He is with me. Exodus 33. After that beautiful conversation God has is Exodus 19 where he says, Mine, I brought you out to be mine. Exodus 33 verse 1 starts like this. And God said to Moses, Depart. And go from here. You and the people whom you have brought out of Egypt. (laughs) Notice how God blames that on Moses now. (laughs) And the people whom you brought out of Egypt. To the land which I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Saying to your descendants I will give it. Now watch this. And I will send my angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite. And the Amorite. And the Hittite. And the Perizzite. And the Hivite and the Jebusite, good Lord, mosquito bite. (laughs) Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Now watch this. I will not go up in your midst. Here's a God in Exodus 19 who says, come on, I brought you out so we could go in to be mine. Let's go in. Let's enter in together. Something changes in Exodus verse 30, chapter 33. God now says, okay, now get up and leave. I'll tell you what happened. The people accepted 10 commandments. They were living in his goodness and his grace until Mount Sinai. 
They were living in his love and his abundance. They were not living on their obedience because boy, they weren't. They were not living in their obedience or their goodness because they weren't. They were rebelling. They were griping. They were whining. They were living in the goodness of God. And God brought them out of Egypt in his goodness, in his love, so they could be his own and says, come, let me take you into the promised land. Suddenly at Mount Sinai, God's stone changes this. Now get up and depart from here. I'll send an angel with you. I will not come with you. If you don't believe that the Ten Commandments stood before God as a replacement for intimacy. You missed the whole point. God wanted to be their guide. God wanted to be their voice. God wanted to be their leader, their master, their provider, their healer. There was not one sick or feeble among them from Egypt to Mount Sinai. That verse doesn't apply for the rest of the journey because a lot of them died after that. But why did not one sick or feeble? Because they were living in his goodness and his grace. They were not living on their obedience, on their goodness. They were living in the goodness of God. And when God says, I want to lead you to be mine so you could be a people that worship me. And they go, hey, 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 hey. When did this worship stuff come into the mix? We just followed Moses. What's this worship stuff? We've been slaves for so long. We don't know nothing about worship. What's this royal priesthood stuff? We're slaves. We don't do no priest stuff. So here's the deal, God. You pick Aaron and his boys. They'll be the priests. Just tell us what to do. The Ten Commandments was a replacement for intimacy with God. If you don't believe me, read the new covenant where God says he has removed it and abolished it. Why is there such an intenseness in what God is saying? Because it was the one thing that stood between him and his people having intimacy. You have to hear me. Is the Ten Commandments bad? No, sir. They are beautiful. They are beautiful. But God wanted to be the leader, not laws. Will the Holy Spirit ask you to do something the Ten Commandments tells you not to? Never. Because that's not what the Holy Spirit does. But I don't live under the law. I live under the instruction and the leading of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is more beautiful and more holy than the law. The law may be perfect, but the law isn't God. That's why in the book of John, John starts off by saying this to those of you who think because in the old covenant, they equated the Torah with God. God and the Torah were the same. John says this and says it to them very clearly. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's why he was saying that God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. See, you've got to understand there is a word that is greater than even the written one. He is the word. When the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. It is not talking about the book of Esther. You have to hear me, church. This is God's word revealed, breathed of God to lead us. And it's beautiful for instruction, for guidance. But there is a word that became flesh and dwelt among us. 
the word, Jesus himself. Verse 2, and I will send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite. Go to verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your mess, lest I consume you on your way, for you are a stiff-necked people. How come God didn't find them stiff-necked when they were whining and griping and complaining? All of a sudden, God says, you're a stiff-necked people. Why? Because now God has to see them through the lens that they have decided God sees them through, which is the law. Hallelujah. Okay, now go to verse 4. And when the people heard this, what? Bad news. You wonder if it's an accident why the gospel is the good news. You know what? I'm tired. I've been out on the floor by now, but y'all go home. You know, just... <laughs> What did they do? They mourned and no one put on their ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I come from a denomination, I was raised in one, where you're not holy enough until you take off all your ornaments. I am that stiff-necked. Shaka. So the children of Israel stripped themselves, verse 6, of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Go with me to verse number 10. Moses starts having a conversation with God. And this is describing, this is describing the intimacy that the person Moses had with God. The person Moses had with God that wasn't shared by the people it was the person and I'll, and I'll show it to you very clearly in the coming verses now this is how Moses would experience God eh? Moses would go into what he called the tabernacle of meetings amen and the beautiful thing about the tabernacle of meetings when you read verse number seven in verse seven it says and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting watch this now Everyone who sought the Lord went to the tabernacle of meeting. So if you wanted to seek the Lord back in the day, where do you go? The tabernacle of meeting. Why? Why? Because that's where God was. Hello? That's where God was. Why couldn't God come out? They'd die. They'd die. Because sin had not been paid for. Now, then the Bible says, verse 10, And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, where? Each man at his tent door. The Lord just said, if you want to seek me, come to the tabernacle. <laughs> if you want to seek me, come to the tabernacle. I hate saying this today, church, but this is still true in the new covenant. We have been given this glory. We have been given this power. We have been given this ever abiding presence. 
And yet we kind of chill around going, I don't, I don't think we need to really seek the Lord and all that. He's already given to us all things. What's the point of seeking him? You missed the whole point. When the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good, it's not a buffet line for you to just say how good it was. The whole point of tasting him is because you get hooked, baby. Because when you taste him, you want more of him. And the more you taste him, the more you want of him. The more you drink of this water, the more you want to drink because you will, you'll be not thirsty, but you will be thirsty for him. You will not be thirsty, meaning I've had him, but now I want all of him in me. Feel him. Woo! And each man worshipped at his own tent door. Now watch this in verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to a friend. Let me ask you this question. Who all had that opportunity? They all did. They all did. Well, no man can see God. That's a whole different thing and I'll get to it in a few minutes. That is not talking about this at all. This verse says Moses saw God face to face or what was revealed of God in that moment. Face to face. The cloud was there. The glory was there. Moses was in his glory face to face. Now watch this. And he would return to his camp. But, say but. But a servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. When it came time for God to find the next leader over Israel, he didn't look for the strong one. He didn't look for the mighty one. He didn't look for the warrior. He looked to see if there was someone hanging around the tabernacle. (laughs) I pray if in the old covenant they lingered. Limited glory. How much greater we should linger. In the full glory. Much more glory. Get out. Go home. Go to verse 13. Now you see this conversation that's going on between God. Because God had just told him, get up and leave. Go with an angel. Most church folk would have found that to be good news. But the people of Israel knew it was bad news. What was the bad news? God wasn't coming. That's terrible news, beloved. That's terrible news. If God isn't with you, terrible news. You know what the gospel is? You know what the good news is? The angels declared with, His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. 13. Moses says, now I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you. Moses is going for the heart, baby. He's going for the heart. He wants to go after the heart. Psalm says, Israel knew his acts. Psalms 103. Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. You can know all about the finished work of Jesus. 
You can know all about what was done and how it was done and have it all as head knowledge. But to know his heart. Whew. I want to know your heart. Last week when me and John broke out into, I want to know what love is, half of you had a heart attack. Back from my time. But you see, that's my heart every day. I say, God, I want to know more of your heart. I want to know more of you, God. If I have found grace in your sight, say, I got grace. grace. Which means, which means, I know his ways. You're on this side of the cross, beloved. And he said, now watch this, verse 14, God speaking. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Moses responds because he knows what God is saying. Moses responds and said, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us. Some of y'all getting it. God was like, Mo, I'll be with you, buddy, because you got the whole thing right. I'll be with you. I love this pastor's heart. I love this about Moses, man. Say what you want about the guy. He goes, God, I know I always have you. But if you don't go with us. (laughs) God, I know you're with me, but I want you to be with my people too, God. I know they don't get it. I know they don't understand it. These stiff-necked people you called, they don't get it. But God, come with us. Come with us. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from up here. Moses goes on to say, for how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? You know what grace is, beloved? The reality that you carry his ever-abiding presence. Except you go with us. So we shall be separate. The word there is holy, set apart. Your people and I from all those who are upon the face of the earth. For those of you struggling with sin. For those of you struggling to give up unholiness and give up addictions and give up habits. Stop trying to quit them. Be aware of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. Be aware of the Holy Presence. Because holiness is Christ in me. Amen. 17. So the Lord said to Moses, now in response to what he said, I will do this thing that you have spoken. For you, Moses... Have found grace in my sight. And I know you by name. Because you are mine Moses. And because you went after my heart Moses. I will go with those stiff necked people. This is the old covenant man. This is the old covenant. You think God's in a hurry to judge America? In the old covenant he said go by yourself. And one man said God for my sake don't forsake your people. For one man God says fine I will be with all of you. There's thousands and millions of believers in this country. God has not forsaken America. (sighs) 
Hunger. Hunger is a part of who you are. Grace and grace, I do not want us to be known as a church of just good doctrine. Of new covenant theology. We are. And I will never compromise on speaking the truth. I will not go with what's common, what's popular. I will not go with what the people have taught for thousands of years. I'm going to stick with the right side of the new covenant story. As long as the Lord is with me, I promise to stand with the truth of God's word. I will not compromise on doctrine and theology. I lived in that junk for 18 years and I don't want another day in it. But the one thing, if when we didn't have the full revelation, we used to be so hungry for God. When we didn't understand how vast, how wide, how deep this love was. Remember those days when we would seek the Lord and we would love to bask in His presence and love to linger. Remember those days and we didn't even have the full revelation. How much greater our hunger for the presence of God should be today. How much greater our desperation for Him should be today. In the new covenant, this seeking Him, this pursuing Him. I used to be a God chaser and then I found out He's too fast. Until I found out that he is a me chaser. He's chasing after me. While we were yet sinners, meaning while I wasn't even looking for him, he came looking for me. God isn't waiting for America to turn from her wicked ways. He is coming after this country. He is passionate about this nation. He's obsessed with America. He will not allow nothing. I know the devil might get a blow here and there. But God's heart for America is my people. They are my people. If in the old days we had a hunger for the presence of God, how much more in these new covenant days? I don't want grace to be a theology that makes us slack in our worship. I don't want grace to be a theology that makes us slack in our hunger for God. I want grace to be the impetus that pushes us into a deeper relationship, deeper intimacy, deeper pursuit of God. Not because God is hiding. He is not hiding anymore. In the new covenant, it's called revelation. Greater revelation. Please hear me and I close with this. Do not let your grace or your journey and your pursuit be of a revelation of yourself. You hear me carefully? Listen to me. Don't let this be about a journey of your self-revelation. Don't let this be about a pursuit of who you really are. Because I promise you, you will do what Adam did. To become what you think you, who are, you should be. Whenever you go after a self-pursuit, self-discovery, you will fall on your face. Whenever you try to self-heal, but when you go after a greater revelation of who he is. When you go after a greater revelation of who he is. He doesn't leave you hungry. He doesn't leave you needy. He fills you. And he also reveals who you are. The key to finding out who I am is not going after who I am. The key to finding who I am is going after who he is. You hear me? This is not Gnosticism. This message of grace is not greater knowledge, greater understanding, or greater theology. This is not what this is about. This is about how great my God is. This is how awesome my God is. And in my hunger and pursuit of Him and who He is, He is not becoming greater. My revelation of Him is becoming greater. He is not getting any bigger. He is as big as it gets. 
magnify the Lord with me is not making God big. It's getting my revelation of God as big as it can get. Because he's awesome. If there's something we can learn from Mount Sinai, it's Moses saying, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to hunger for you. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.